Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. This is your host, Matt Perra, and I'm here today with Justin Tarosian. He's a conference evangelist and pastor of the Hamilton Church. He's always on the podcast because we like him. <laughs> and yeah, and and he's a conference evangelist, and I'm the evangelism director here in North New South Wales. And so we work together, talk a lot. And when we decided to have a podcast on the most successful evangelist in the Bible, I thought, yeah, he, he's a perfect person to talk to because he's a conference evangelist. And yeah, so Justin, thanks for coming and, and hanging out with me, bro. Oh, and thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to the discussion. Yeah, we're talking about the most successful evangelist in the Bible today. So if we want to be excess, successful in evangelism, makes sense, right, Justin, to look into Definitely. the Bible and see the successes there and, and learn from them. Absolutely. And I guess, hands down, Jesus is the most successful evangelist. Yeah. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto, or all unto me, John 12, 32. That's, you know, undebatable. Some people might try to debate it, but they'd be crazy if they were Bible believers. So besides Jesus, basically the greatest or most successful evangelist in the Bible. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with you there, Justin, because it depends on how you define evangelist, right? He doesn't say, I will win everyone to confession in me if I'm lifted up. He says, I'll draw. Just because someone has a drawing influence doesn't mean that they're the most successful evangelist. But the word evangelist comes from evangelion, which is the word gospel in Greek. And yeah, would the yeah, gospel yeah. be anything without Jesus? How can we pre? We have nothing to preach if it wasn't for him. And yeah. uh, ultimately, he's the one that works through uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, through his preachers and teachers and evangelists, right? Well, it's true. I guess what you're saying then is he is the most important person to evangelism, not that he's mm -hmm. the greatest or most successful evangelist in the Bible. I still think he's the most successful evangelist. But <laughs> <laughs> evangelism depends more upon him than anyone else. I think that's yeah. that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say, I'm doing like what, like what, what media people do, like interviewers. They're like, so what I'm hearing you saying is, and they put this like construct on what you're saying. It's like, well, I don't know if that's what I was saying. <laughs> but I'm glad that that's what you heard me say. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, I guess really, if you're going to define the most successful evangelist in the Bible, you have to kind of decide how you're looking at it, right? Like, cause how do you define yeah, success? Right. There's different kinds of success. There's different measures of success. So I guess like you were saying before we got on that, you know, the, the, the church, the apostles that Jesus built the Christian church on, you could see them as the yeah. most successful evangelists because the, outcome of their ministry was the Christian church. Yeah, absolutely. Which over time, it was composed of millions and millions of people. And it's who do you limit it to? Let's say, for example, to my mind came the Apostle Paul when I saw the title as one of the first three people that came to my mind as the most successful evangelist in the Bible. He traveled, he did mission work, he raised up churches, he converted believers, amazing miracles were worked through him, multitudes came to believe, he proved to people out of the Bible that Jesus was the Christ. But as a result of his labors, no doubt the greatest missionary recorded in scripture, that's obviously anything is up for debate, but I think he's the most successful missionary in the Bible in many respects. If you look at him, like what about the people who he trained, who converted many more? To how many degrees do we limit it? Let's say it's like to two degrees or to one degree. How could we even start to really measure who was the most successful? Would it be numbers? Would it be that the people who they trained won more people or just the people that they personally led to, to repent and accept the gospel mm -hmm. and to have their lives changed by Jesus. 
Yeah, that's right. And and just so that everyone out there doesn't think I'm a heretic, yeah, not that you already <laughs> don't, but is it of, of course, you know, Jesus is the is the master evangelist. He's the mm. premier example of a soul winner because through him salvation is offered and he was the one who trained and developed the disciples and gave us that model that we follow when we want to train members to be missionaries and members mm. to be disciples and re- representatives of the son of God, right? So his discipleship model is the discipleship model and that's what we follow, but yeah, so it's true, like, he is the premier evangelist, but but at the same time, you know... He, he gave not, the work of evangelism to his apostles and disciples and his church, right? He was the greatest big picture, long-term successful, like, he's the most big, the most successful big picture evangelist, I guess you'd say. That's mm-hmm. not the right way to say it. It'd be like the, the most successful long-term. He had the most success in the long-term. Hmm. And he's the source of salvation, so you, you kind of can't argue. But I just thought I'd be a bit cheeky and, and try to oppose <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, I think of as far as successful evangelists in the Bible, I think of Jonah as being mm. the uh, most numerically successful evangelist. Because yeah. we have um, the number, like the Bible tells us how many people repented and were converted at his preaching, right? That's right. As far as short-term results just immediate results from your message, from your preaching. It's like, man, you know, so Peter, 2000 on Pentecost, 3000 later. I mean, so he's, he's racking up the numbers, right? Like, okay, good. Hmm. Now this is the after effect of Jesus's ministry. And he's just reaping all of the seeds, you know, all the, all that's been sown ahead of time. But and here's this guy, Jonah, he goes into a town. It's a cold town, man. They're worshiping demons and pagan idols. And he, comes in with the message of God, 120,000 people, hmm. voila, come to repentance through Jonah's preaching. So you could you could argue that this guy is the most successful evangelist numerically in, in all of the scripture. It's true. As far as numbers that were recorded of converts, yeah, definitely. And what do you say about him as a person, bro? Like he, he's just not the kind of guy that you want to model your life after as far as his attitude and disposition. It's terrible. Like what kind of an evangelist is upset when people repent after their preaching? Like he was angry that God had mercy on them and didn't destroy them. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria that were very brutal to the Israelites at the time. And so it's understandable that he would be upset or that God was sending him there and to preach a message of repentance. But the fact that he was unlike Jesus, unchrist and bitter and upset that God had mercy on them is mind blowing, isn't it? Dude, you know, I got a great equivalence. The equivalent would be God appears to a Ukrainian. And then says to right now, like right now, he ap- appears to a citizen in the Ukraine and he says, I need you to go to Moscow because what's going to happen is I'm going to destroy that city because the people that are so wicked, like as soon as that message comes to you, you're going to be like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, they just invaded our country and killed a bunch of people and caused devastation and destruction. Absolutely, mm-hmm. God. Awesome. You're going to destroy them. Yeah, but I want you to go there and warn them mm-hmm. that this is going to happen. And then you go, oh, I think God's trying to save them by my warning. And so you're going to see the hesitancy there. Yeah, like, why right. would I want to do that? They just invaded my country. My uncle got killed. My nephew got killed. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, right. I'm going to go try to help them. Yeah, very true. Never. Another person who comes to mind and the three names that came to mind. Well, I'll save the, la- the probably most, the one that we would think of least probably for last. But John the Baptist is the second one. I mentioned the Apostle Paul, John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, in a sense, was proclaiming the way for, I mean, not in a sense, he was preparing the way for Jesus, right? Like he was fulfilling Isaiah chapter four that talks about 
the messenger sent before uh, Jesus' face, preparing the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets, was in a sense unique as an evangelist, calling people to repentance because the Messiah was about to come. And if he was the greatest of the prophets, and a prophet is a mouthpiece for God, that's not too different from an evangelist. He was like the precursor to the greatest evangelist ever, which makes me think, Jesus that is, which makes me think that surely he would class in many respects as one of the most effective evangelists in the Bible. Dude, what do you think of this? Jesus says, there has never been one born among women who is greater than John the Baptist. Yeah. Right? But he wasn't saying as an evangelist. He was just saying as a man, as a character, um, he was great. And then something else Jesus says, just going back to Jonah, is in Matthew 12, he says, the men of Nineveh, this is in verse 41, he says, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Nona, Jonah. Hmm. And behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. So now Jesus doesn't say he's a greater evangelist than Jonah, obviously, you know, like I'm going to win more people, but obviously he is going to win more people because anyone won by Jonah hmm. really is being won by the power of Christ and the gospel that will, to, will, will come, you know, all that. Hmm. It will be the atoning sacrifice for those people too. But yeah, so he asserts himself as, as greater than Jonah. And hmm. so you couldn't say Jonah's the greatest evangelist necessarily because Jesus says, hey, one here is greater than him. So like you said, Jesus is the premier evangelist and everyone else is secondary for sure. But I wanted to say something, bro, about like, I want to talk to you just for a bit, just for a few seconds about just Jonah. And then we can talk about anyone else that you want in this discussion of the most successful evangelist. But uh, something I learned from Jonah is that timing is important. He preaches when God tells him to preach, not immediately, right? Like he goes on his little escapade trying to escape God's will for his life. But, but once he accepts after the fish ordeal, he decides like, okay, he goes and, you know, when he goes, it's the right time for these people to hear mm-hmm. that message. So, so when God assigns us a responsibility, he's going to assign that responsibility at the right time. He's going to call us. And so figure out the right time, you know, to preach. Timing is essential. And that, that had an effect on his ministry. And then also God says to him the first and second time he sends him like, go to Nineveh and preach to them what I tell you. And and then, you know, he has the, he, he runs away, has the fish situation. And then it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and said, go to Nineveh and preach what I tell you. So his success was not based upon his wisdom, skill, or ability. It was based on him telling people what God told him hmm. to tell people. And that Man, was the secret. That, that's a really powerful point, Matt. Come to think of it, now that you mentioned that, Every one of the people we've talked about, and the one more person I was going to mention, all of them, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, Jonah, like they all, even Jesus said that. I speak not my own words, but I hear what I hear from my Father, I speak. And every successful evangelist and preacher in the gospel, in the Bible, they were preaching a message that clearly came from God. Like it wasn't just, I think I should say this. Like, here's what I think about this. It was the word of God and a message that God had specifically given them for that time. And I guess that's really a precursor to any successful evangelism, isn't it? Isn't it? Any successful proclamation of God's word, it has to be truly a message from him. And, and when you speak on God's behalf, you're taking a risk because God doesn't flatter people. So, you know, John, here's and not, God is not unnecessarily offensive either. Mm-hmm. So every message God sends is, in the, is from the depth of his heart. And he has, you know, infinite concern for people and infinite love for people. But, you know, but he's not in the business of pampering or, you know, patronizing. And so the message of God, if you're going to preach it, you're kind of taking a risk. And I, 
I mean, mm, you know, going to Assyria and telling them that you're, you know, your city's destroyed. I mean, that may not go really well for you. You know, these are, like you yeah. said, vicious and barbaric people. And they lived in a world that was a lot more hard than ours and tough and difficult. Mm. And they wouldn't hesitate, like shredding you in a second, you know. Mm. And and so, yeah, just like, you know, John's message, man, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He, he says that to Herod, like the king. He's like, it's not lawful for you to have your brother... Philip's wife, like he, mm. these are these are men who are taking magnificent risks to say what God tells them to say, and it's interesting sure. because God's message is suited for the situation. Mm. So the most relevant message is the is the message that God tells you to preach. So you know sure. they preach God's message at the time God says to preach His message, and I guess I could learn a spiritual lesson from that and say in the Scripture there are certain messages that come from God at certain times, and so we live at a certain time, and we should preach the message that's most relevant. To the people in the world at this time, John preached, you know, that the Messiah was at hand, and therefore people needed to prepare for that event. And we're doing similarly, right? Like, doesn't mean every sermon we preach is on the second coming and preparing for it, but what should characterize our preaching to the world is the message that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, and all that surrounds that reality, you know, all the, all the truth that is important to understand in the context of the fact, of the context of the end of time. Absolutely. I never Absolutely. thought to even say that, bro. It just kind of just came up in this in this convo that's a really great point i didn't i didn't mean this i did sorry i didn't mean to say that whole thing you know about like the point about jonah but just like that idea of like prophecy and us and preaching now that's a really powerful point it's the holy spirit moving on your mind (laughs) i was going to say another person that came to my mind and this may sound a bit crazy as arguably one of the most successful evangelists in the bible i would say was jonah sorry we covered Jonah. Noah. Oh, that's what I say too. <laughs> I think the same thing. You're awesome. And like he's got the same three letters in his besides the end. Actually, all four letters in Noah's name are in Jonah. So Grain must have switched it up. No, but Noah, like Noah preached for 120 years. He won seven people besides himself. So seven people to get into the ark. Now we know the book Patriarchs and Prophets sheds light on the fact that. There were others that actually joined with him and believed the message of God through him and were helping build the ark. And some of them died before the floods came. Others of them, with the ridicule, they turned back and they stopped helping with the ark and they were lost. But here's the amazing thing. He preaches like 120 years, man. Like he preaches the same message. He's building the ark. And as he's building this ark, People are like, what on earth? Nobody's ever needed a boat this big. All we have is lakes and ponds on this earth. There's no seas and oceans. And so people are thinking this is crazy. And people come from far and wide to watch it, to look at it. And so it's this attraction grabber, attention grabber. And then he gets to share with them, I'm building this because there are floods coming. The world is going to be destroyed. We need to repent, get into the ark. And um, 120 years, man. That is such a long time to be mocked and ridiculed and be made fun of. And the message didn't change. Like it wasn't like, okay, this month we're doing something different, guys. Here's the message for this month. How many flavors can you put on? The world is being destroyed. Get in the ark. Rain is going to come. There's not much you can do to change that. But he was faithful. Like he was faithful enough to, to commit to preaching that constantly, consistently. And here's the amazing thing. Some evangelists and preach preach for years and bring many people to the truth, but their own families are lost. And sometimes it happens because freedom of choice is a real thing. Like your children have their own decision. Your wife has her own freedom of choice. Even Lucifer, God's creation, God's son, he left God. So we, we're not responsible necessarily for people's choices, but 
There are some evangelists whose families have left God's side and have left the truth because they've been neglected by their parent who's out preaching to all these other people. With no, he won only seven people, but all of them were his family. I think that's amazing. Another thing that stands out to me of Noah's story is to my, that I can think of, he is literally the only preacher ever who's all of the people who rejected God's message through him regretted it before they died. Oh yeah, totally. All of them were like, "Whoa, let us in the ark." You were right. We should have listened. I just can't. I can't. I just can't stop thinking about that patriarchs and prophet prophets thing about mm. people turning back that had previously accepted the message. How bad would they have felt? Oh when, man, when the when the cataclysm came and they were like, "Oh, you could." Oh, oh, that would just be a crazy movie, you know, like totally. making totally. a movie about this guy or this family that accepts this truth. And they're like heart and soul into it, but the ridicule, the persecution, the loneliness, you know, the sense of abandonment by the whole human race that you mm -hmm. feel leads you to just give up on this message. And so you sell your soul, you you get back into the world and receive its aplomb. And then all of a sudden, man, the judgments of God come. Mm. And how yeah, would wow. you feel? Oh, that would be terrible. terrible. And you know, it, it's not kind of, oh, you know what? I'll change my mind and I'll just go back into the world. This would have been a momentous decision for them to leave. And when the wake up, the biggest wake up call, I think that they would have had would have been seeing the animals all go peacefully, not eating each other, not attacking each other into the ark. That's a miracle. That's a straight up miracle. And for them to be so hardened in sin as to not see that and go, whoa, I was in the right place before I was with Noah. I was following God. I need to get on that ark. Instead of that, they're like, nah, I'm okay. The pressures of society, the social pressures of family and friends, the ridicule. I don't want that. I'd just rather love people's opinion. That. Just mm. love people's opinion more than the opinion of God. Yeah. So Noah, I think, arguably could be, definitely, I think he's one of the most successful evangelists because of his faithfulness to preach God's message consistently, constantly for 120 years. And because he won his whole family, his whole family that's recorded, his wife, his immediate family. And I think that's pretty cool. I thought you were going to say something different. I thought you were going to say that he was the most successful evangelist because the whole human race was saved through him. That's a really powerful point too, actually. So yeah. had, had he not, really all he had to do to be the most successful evangelist in the Bible is when, when just like himself, his, his wife, wife, anyone who could procreate, you know, any couples <laughs> who could procreate and he saves the world, right? The human race is saved if just any family comes along with him. So um, that's a that's really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so this is a perfect time for me to throw this in. And that is that the most successful, this is a different approach to the question or to the, yeah, to the question, who's the most successful evangelist in the Bible? The most successful evangelist in the Bible is the one who happened to convert you. So to you, the convert, oh, yeah. the most successful evangelist to you is the one who's preaching or whose ministry you responded to. So if you're a convert of Paul or Apollos or Ananias or whoever, you know, you're going to think, oh, the most successful evangelist is, you know, Ananias, Paul, John the Baptist, whoever it was that you responded to. Because really, and ultimately, it's the Spirit. You could argue for that. The most successful evangelist in the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Because he brings true, you the conviction. He, you know? Right. He's the one that preaches through all the evangelists and the prophets. That's right. And, and really, I, I think, too, this is a really good point to consider. Because we oftentimes think of greatness from the standpoint of ego. Like who's the greatest? Who deserves the most credit for, you know, or not even the most credit, but who deserves the most praise and, mm -hmm. and the most glory because they were the 
greatest, the most mm-hmm. successful. And, and, and we're not necessarily looking at it like that, but humans usually do. We're egotistical creatures. And so when you ask these questions, who's the most successful evangelist, you're going to think, okay, who's the best and who did the most? Yeah. And, and that's okay to consider because we want to learn like from the mm-hmm. people who did a really good job and who were really successful. There's nothing wrong with learning from those who are successful or admitting that there are certain people who are very successful or very great at something. There's no problem with that. But really, ultimately, we got to realize that like, I'm the most successful evangelist to the person who I want because Mm -hmm. they get to live forever. They get to enjoy the blessings that come from following the Savior. They get to know that they're fulfilling the purpose of their design and that they're fulfilling their destiny and they get to have the abundant life of Jesus and learn all the wonderful truths Mm -hmm. of Scripture and apply all the amazing laws of God so that they can be healthier and happier and have better relationships. And it's like, yeah, amazing. This is great. And so, and and like you brought out a point that was good too, because it's coming at it from a different angle. Like Noah is a great evangelist because he sticks to it mm-hmm. forever. Like he won't yeah. let go. And that's greatness, man. That's that's yeah. awesome. And so there's so many different ways to define like totally. greatness. Just as you're mentioning uh, a few of the things you said sparked a thought in my mind. And it's, you know how scripture is like an interconnected, almost like a net or a web, it's all interconnected, the different verses to each other and the stories, etc. It's like that, I think, with evangelism. And when we get to heaven, of course, we're going to see more of those stories. But there's a statement in Desire of Ages where talking about the woman, the widow who put in those two mites, like the smallest type of coin back in her day, into the offering. And Jesus said, truly, she gave more than all of the others who gave lots of money because she gave all that she had. It says in Desire of Ages that her testimony, like her story, her gift of giving those simple little two mites, all that she had, is a story that has inspired like millions and to give down through time ever since that's been recorded. And buildings like churches have been raised because of the funds given. And many people have come to the gospel and come to know Jesus and will be ready for heaven because people have been inspired to give because of her story. And so even in our faithfulness in the little, seemingly little things, just doing our best and being faithful with what God gives us to give it back to him, we can create a ripple effect, so to speak, that we'll we'll only be able to tell the effect of in heaven. Amen. Well, listen, brother, this has been one of my favorite podcasts to record in the last couple of weeks. And thanks for joining me. And guys, I hope that you've been inspired by this conversation. I've been really, really blessed. The most successful evangelist is the one who's in harmony with God's will. Hmm. And, you know, when you follow the Lord Jesus in the sincerity of your heart and you allow the spirit to prompt you at, at various times and, and you really choose, when you, when you really choose to commit yourself to the mission of Christ, you know, you can't think that you're not successful. You know, you, you are successful. So hope you've learned from these lessons. I've had a great time. Look forward to seeing you guys next week and uh, yeah, take care. See ya.